Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Seed Talk Podcast. It's your boys, Taylor and Sterling Mack. You know, we got this roundup that we're about to do pretty much for the, the end of the year. It's December. It's the holiday season. It's the New Year's season. It's a lot of boo-boo-loving, cuff, cuffing season, as they like to say it, as the young folks like to say because it, it's a beautiful time. Sterling, how you doing? How you feeling in this, they like to call, magical moment, magical season? Yeah, it's that new year, that new me, new year, like, time frame. You know what I mean? Where everybody's going into the new year. You're trying to be refreshed. You're like, I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to really commit this time. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do it. Yeah. Uh, it's good, man. It's, um, it's great to be back in Atlanta, as always. Uh, you know, you, you miss the city when you're when you're away yeah. for a little bit. So it's good what's, to be back. What's, uh, what's your New Year's res- resolution? Ooh. Hit you on the spot with that one. You did. Honestly, I do have one. My New Year's resolution mm-hmm. is to consistently break 80 in golf. That is that is my resolution. You know, that is that's a great goal. Thank and you. it's something that you can you, you've been striving towards. You've been working towards. Thank uh, you. I, I like that. My my New Year's resolution. It's more of a five minute commitment. And what I mean by that is if I can get something done in five minutes task wise, I'm going to do it. And then I can have that, that that can have that task done. So it's all your smaller things that you might have having, like say for work, something comes across your desk, be like, Hey, can you just shoot me this real quick? Is it going to take me more than five minutes? If it is, I got to put it on the back burner. I'll come back to it. But if not, let me get this done. I can get that task done. Something and then stuff around the house. Can I do that in five minutes? So it's a five minute commitment. So then it's like getting all the small things done. So it's trying to, trying to be more efficient with the daytime and something small I can add, some small regimen that I can add into That's my everyday task, everyday routine. Sure. You sound like those people on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you see that. Hey, right? Let me tell you real quick. You want to better your life? Right. This is what you need to do. That's exactly Five what quick you sound steps. like right now. Five quick steps. I'm not going to put it in the damn video. I'm going to put it in the caption so that you have to go read it. I hate when I see that, though. It's like, all right, here are these, here are these tips and tricks on how to – uh, land your ball five feet from the hole in golf. Oh, I'm not going to actually talk about it in the video. You're going to have to go read it in my profile or click two extra links right. to get to it. Yeah, it's so stupid. I hate it. Absolutely, that, that is what you sound like right now, though. No, 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 not, not that wasn't that. I'm not over. I'm not. I'm not MLM over here. I'm not marketing you on anything. I'm not trying to do a little pyramid scheme on people. I'm not trying to be that type of person. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm not selling you anything. I'm just trying to add that little five minute rudimentary thing into my uh into my routine that's it's easy trying to be more efficient during the day i mean i do get that because you know what happens to to your point with with the five minute rule here is you see a task you have a task and then you you're like all right i can get to that at some point and then it piles up and now you have multiple tasks (laughs) yeah then you forget you're like now i have multiple things to do in a short amount of time yeah with you it's like, let me just let me just get this over. So that's going to be my New Year's resolution because everybody's like, don't if you're doing a drastic change in life for New Year's resolution, you're not doing it right. You need to set the groundwork and set the steps. Don't don't be overly dramatic. Don't be overly corrective in your New Year's resolution because you're not going to stick to it. I hate people that do that. And it's like if somebody wants to say I'm cutting something out cold turkey, let them do it. Let them do it. You know what I mean? Not like, hey, just cut this one thing out so you can gradually get there. Maybe that does make sense. But if somebody feels the urge like, hey, I'm going to stop eating candy after eight o'clock because I've been doing it like that. I'm not going to be like, I'm going to take 
one piece at like eight to nine, and then I'm gonna gradually get back to eight o'clock. If somebody wants to cut something out, let them cut out. Let them do what they want to do. I hate this. Like you said, I, I agree with you on the Instagram thing. Too many people out here don't have degrees. They got internet degrees from wherever Google, Bing, Go Duck, Duck Go, whatever that one's called, and then now they're trying to spit game over here and make money off of folks because they can do it on social media with a product. Duck, Duck Go. I don't. That's not a search engine. Yeah, it is. Do you? Do, do you? You talk Is tech, it? but you live under a rock. Duck, duck, go. I haven't heard it. I'm. Are you you've never? Serious? You've never heard of duck, duck, go. It's no. like brave, essentially. So it's uh, it's actually for our listeners out there. If you've been trying to find this, is this is I guess a free plug, essentially. This is but not an ad. To, this is not an ad. It's not an ad. But if you've been actually, trying to I have find heard of this. I actually, a, yeah. If you've been no trying worries. to find like a browser or anything that doesn't track your. I'll say your cash too much or whatever, or your cookie. Sorry. It's just like, and it's a search engine that protects your privacy, right? Yeah. Private privacy protection. Don't throw ads at you. Duck, duck, go. Does it Brave? I downloaded brave because I'm just preparing myself for the web 3.0, which we can also talk about at a later time on this, but who knows? But that's what I downloaded because I don't like people to know my location for all the type of stuff I'm doing. I don't like to be, I don't like to be advertised at. I just want to have 2000. You to be able to search. You just want to be able to search. Ooh, oh, one great year. We didn't, internet. We, didn't, we didn't realize how good we had it. You know what I mean? Like, of course, you want to advance and all those type of things. But now we're just inundated with BS. There's streaming. There were streaming wars. Now everything's going to get consolidated. We're going to have cable again. It's yeah. a mess, right? Yeah, it, yeah, now we have too many options. We're watching stuff on TikTok. And speaking of TikTok, you can find us. Oh, ooh, big release. Big that release. Big you can, you yeah, can, we're... you can, um, Search C Talk podcast and find us on TikTok. You can. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It is everyone's always like when when you get on it is I've never really been on the platform. I was like held out because I was like I'm a millennial. I'm gonna just stick with Twitter and Instagram. I'm gonna see the TikTok on Instagram anyways, right? Yeah. It is addicting. Well, let me tell you one. I don't put it on my phone because I know China's China's looking. China's watching. And I don't, I don't need any foreign countries on my phone looking at what I'm doing. That's actually, honestly, though, one of the main reasons why I have it. It's actually, it's pretty bad. I say that in jest, but it's, it's pretty bad. That's it why is. I make sure it's not. If you do do TikTok and you're able to have an iPad or something, another device that you can put it on, put it on that device. Don't put it on your main device. That's just us knowing what what's really out there. Just giving you a heads up if you're if you're if you're not privy to it. We're getting into that Obama into the world movie right now. No, 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 no. We're just we're just throwing out random scenarios. We're just throwing out ideas. We're just throwing <laughs> out comments and seeing, you know, where the masses might lie. Similar to what Shaq had done in this past week, which is a very controversial take, possibly. But when it comes from the GOAT, Shaq gets a pass, but but Cam Newton can't get a pass when talking about sports. That's a whole nother thing. But when Shaq says it, people listen. So he stood up. What did he say? I don't Sterling? I don't mind hitting the the Cam Newton thing real quick. Cause I think I, that was crazy, right? The way people talk about or have talked about cam here. And I thought what he, his response was perfect, right? Yeah. He is a former MVP. He is a former Heisman trophy winner. Mm. Uh, he went to a super bowl mm. and he went to a super bowl. Go back and look at that team, right? Mm. Devin mm-hmm. Funches, Ted Ginn uh, Jr. Jr. Like they had nobody. On that was Greg, team was Greg Olson on that team. Yeah, Greg, Greg Olson's, Olson's on that team. Yeah, he was yeah. outside he was, of Greg Olson, was, right? He was his best offensive threat. Right, 
Right. If, and no offense to Greg Olson, he he's not in the same class of Kelsey or Gonzalez or Gronkowski, right? Like he's really, really good, but he was kind of a step below that. Yeah. And what all Cam was trying to say was like there's a difference between a game manager, somebody who's gonna distribute the ball and do the right things. And if you do the right things and follow the game plan, you have a good chance of winning, or somebody that you have to truly game plan around and it, they can at any time take over a game. Yeah. And he's right. He was he was one of those type of players. Yeah, his comments weren't wrong. It it does highlight to the fact that a game changer, this could also be controversial, has not won the Super Bowl until maybe Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I'd but say he, Pat Mahomes, right? Because he doesn't follow a script. He just he just yeah he's winging it. I'd say Aaron Rodgers as well is not a game manager. And they won in 2011. Yeah, but Aaron at that time with that team, I think he was a game manager. But he could make the off schedule, but the off schedule wasn't his standard. If you see it, Mahomes is Mahomes is more off schedule. And that's that's what you're saying. You're saying Mahomes' trouble. standard is is off schedule. Where right. in 2011, you feel like you feel like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron's was more, Aaron, was more to the script. Right, and he'll make the read. And obviously when it breaks down, that's where the specialty of Aaron Rodgers comes out and he makes those throws. And you're just like, this is he's, wow. He does what Tom Brady can't do, still does what Tom Brady can't do. And what Tom Brady was able to do is diagnose, understand the defense, understand what the call is, know where he needs to go, and position the ball in the right spot. And boom, you know, you have as many Super Bowls as he has. So, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, Cam – People, people love to disrespect, and there's a lot of recency bias, and I think that leads into what Shaq was was leading into, and why Kenny yeah. Smith was so surprised. Like Shaq, Kenny was say? Kenny was shocked with it. Right? Kenny was like, Kenny was shocked. "Wait, he was like, <laughs> like what, what, what eggnog were you drinking in the green room, brother? What, what, what were you doing back there besides sleeping?" But I think so, the thing with Shaq's comments, though, are they're not they're not untrue. Okay, I, I think it's I think off. Steph off, Curry. Okay, I think Steph Curry at this point. I think I can confidently say if if we were to say, hey, what are your top 10 to 15 players? He is absolutely in that that discussion. Now, I think where Shaq got a little tongue tied is he said he's an all time great. And I love Steph as most if anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. I don't think you can put him in the same class as LeBron or Jordan or Kareem yet. Right. He's still got some years to go. He's still playing at this mm-hmm. unbelievable level at 36 years old or about to be 36. Mm-hmm. So that is the thing about it, though, is he's going to if he gets another championship, this is where I, I you, you have to start. How do you caveat all this? Right. OK, let's say if you put Steph Curry right now, 10th all time, right, or 10th or 12th or wherever. Right. OK, then he gets another ring. And he keeps adding to the three-point list. He's still top three, top four in the league, wherever you want to put him, right? Right. It, but if he gets that fifth ring, now what do you do, right? Mm-hmm. Do you bump him above? I've always had Magic as, like, my fourth best player, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my list is Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic. Okay. All right. Respect and then I kind of go back and forth on, like, do you put Larry fifth or Wilt? And then you kind of – then for me, I get into, like, the newer age people, right? And I, I've got Kobe high on my list because I think Kobe's one of the best basketball players I've ever seen, right? So with 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 Steph, Steph truly changed the game of basketball. He's the best three point shooter we have ever. We have ever seen. Oh he's ooh. a 
double down have ever. No, have I ever, mean, ever, let's ever, be honest, ever, right? Ever, ever seen. Yeah. Okay. And he's and he is truly what like what um what Becky said the other day, right? As she's talking about Jalen Brunson, she's absolutely right. He's an outlier because he is six three, and he's a rare guy at six three that can not only change a franchise but can carry a franchise to win a finals, right? Yeah. And I think that also you have to not give him extra points for that, but you have to like kind of I don't know how you want to like caveat that. I don't know how you want to like really talk through that, but that to me is a huge part of his legacy. The fact that he is a six three slight guy, right? Without right. the burst of a John Moran or a Derrick Rose or Russell Westbrook, just this dude that truly understood how to play the game and then could shoot the lights out. I, I will say stats are a little bit skewed and, and this is in its and it plays into the favor of Curry because we we have some you know great great I'll say college and NBA insiders and today's game when it starts at the junior level meaning college the focus when it comes to a guard or smaller position players it's not there um Khalil oh my gosh uh, he was he's supposed to go to he was supposed to go to Seton Hall and I uh, just I just I'm just blanking out his name right now but he was like a five, eight point guard, was supposed to go to Seton Hall, end up deferring and went overseas and played professionally. But he was like a true, unbelievable point guard, explosive. But you're like, oh, this, this, this is another kid that could continue the reign of being able to allow smaller players. And granted, again, Steph is still over six feet. But you don't see smaller guards being able to play in today's game because a lot of coaches are thinking, especially when you get into D1, I need the bigger guard. I need that lottery pick. Because that is what the NBA also is looking at. So I, I can solidify myself here for the school. I can solidify us as a prominent feeder into the NBA. Uh, but also that's just that's the trend everybody's doing. So everybody's going to follow along. It's kind of a sheeple thing a little bit, unfortunately. So the smaller guards get pushed out of the game. And so what Curry has done is amazing. I do think, though, on the flip side, to that point, like I, I wish we would, we could have seen what an NBA could look like if they allowed the Jalen Brunsons, they allowed the Curries to be able to flourish pre NBA in college, to have that, that to have that same high ranking or, or same thought going into the NBA and having a plethora of of smaller guards. What just do you so mean? That you could, I just want I would love to see what smaller guards are to the point of. And this this would go to the having Curry as an all time great because he changed the game as a three point shooter. He changes the game being able to allow smaller players to be in the league um, to a point. Uh, but I would love to have seen if the league didn't stifle the growth of great guards that played well through college that weren't on the same stature of being the six four six five type type of type of uh, I would say hybrid one two. You just see you see bigger guards now, you know, and having but I think that it's less stifling, right? Model. Take an Allen Iverson. Who, so it, it would make Steph's accomplishments greater in my in my eyes. Well, what I'm what I'm going to say is that I don't know if it's true stifling as opposed to it is it is so difficult to be a small guard and be effective at a higher level in basketball, whether that's D you know really top tier D one right mm-hmm. or in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more. And I I think I understand what you're saying, but that I mean it's just height I you. Mean, it's just shrink, tough, right? The court shrinks down. I I get it. I, it is. I, it's just I, tough. I like it's but, just, it's tough to get your shot off. It's tough to get into the lane when you get yeah. in the lane. Now you get a seven foot guy. Like it just changes the what what how you have to navigate. I what Isaiah Thomas did. The Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics 
yeah. what his run was was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't I know if that say, was if he, if he went, sustainable, if, right? If he won a ship, do you think it would have diluted Steph's greatness? I don't think so. I think, <laughs> again, I think he'd be an outlier. I mean, yeah, in the yeah. last, right, what's it, 40, 45 years, there's only been two guys under 6'6 six, six to win. It's Isaiah Thomas out of Chicago, New, right? Yeah. Detroit Pistons. Yeah, that's what And Steph Curry. Okay. I don't know why I said New York for a second. Yeah, uh, D-Town. Um, yeah, you know? It, it's it sucks that if you're a don't let this discourage you if you're in the high school right now you're like oh I'm 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 sub six feet but I'm balling out here you know you know you'll 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 get into the get into college don't be but you're just it, NBA I mean doesn't come calling I mean, like we that. talk about it as as Hawks fans right yeah like Trey is awesome offensively but there's another part of the game right where he just gets hunted I mean he's yeah, actually played really well. He's actually played really. I want to say a caveat. He's played. I've said caveat a few times today. He's played really well on the defensive end this year. But again, what happens is it's hard when your best player is six feet tall. It just is. It's just more of a a shortcoming on his defensively. It's it's not literally because he's short. You know, playing words, I guess. But um, I don't know. His focus has isn't always been on the defensive end of the ball. So. Not knocking him, maybe yeah, he has trying, and I'm sorry if they, if that is his best effort, then I apologize. But it seems like he could give better efforts. The season is long. I get it. Let's see when we get towards the playoff. And uh, but yeah, well, I, I mean, guess we I, forget I about know. Dwayne. I, you know the person we forget about there is Dwayne Wade, who's six four. Six. But I guess we don't I know, consider. I think I don't think we consider Dwayne Wade short or small. No. No, I always looked at him as a. He was just explosive, bigger guard. Right. You, know, you would have had the same thing if he didn't get hurt and sucks he got hurt. D Rose, obviously. But it just seems like every time you had the smaller guard, um ah, life gets in the way <laughs> a little bit. Uh unfortunately. But yeah, we do forget about D Wade. But no, I, I think Steph can be in that conversation. I don't have him in that conversation. I think uh I think Shaq might have been on that yak just just a little bit. That green You don't have green. you don't have you don't have Steph in the top ten right now. No, I don't have Steph as one of the best players of all time. Well, hold on, but I would say top ten is. I mean, if, if you're saying you're the top ten of all time, that would be the top yeah, ten yeah. Players I, of all time, I, right? No, I mean for me, I'm like if I if I hear t- of all time, I'm like oh, I'm giving I'm giving you five players. I don't have him in my five. Fair, okay. Yeah, I just don't have him in my five. Top ten, debatable, yes, but five, no. Yeah, I don't have I don't have Steph in my top five. That's why I was saying if he gets the fifth one, now what do you then do? Then it man? changes the conversation. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Now let's transition real quick of when it comes to greatness. Sure. Uh there was a big if you haven't seen it uh on Twitter, it's still always Twitter. Don't care what people are saying. Uh if you didn't see it on Twitter, there's a big uh tweet that, that popped out from Richard Mendenhall about uh Middle, uh, I'll say middle, middle of the way white folks commenting to African American players about sports or NFL players about the the, mm. the game and that they should keep their comments to themselves, which then sparked, which I thought honestly brought a lot of Twitter together. We have to think about it. It, it was a great discussion, I think, and uh, 
Ryan Clark took a little took a little too serious on the on the response. I saw that he commented back to Will Compton about it, but I thought it was a great discussion because it's it's fun. This is what it's literally what you talk about in like locker rooms. It'd be like or or just what, like with your buddies. You're like, if you had an all white team versus an all black team, <laughs> who would come out on top? <laughs> who hasn't had that discussion? It's just the it's, tough thing is in this climate, it's a little tricky, right? With it all is, the things that are can, happening and all the stuff, right? To, gotta know how to talk about it. Gotta know how to talk about it. But it is. It's always kind of an interesting, fun, uh, I think, topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought Will Compton was pretty funny about it on the pod and then on Twitter, too, as well. But, yeah. I mean, it's just it, – we're going to get into a discussion about white cornerbacks in a second. But I don't know who – I feel like you're taking – I mean, you're you're definitely. I mean, who's guarding Tyreek Hill? Like, <laughs> who's guarding Tyreek? Who's guarding Justin Jefferson? I guess they could put Christian who's McCaffrey out there on on at corner. Jamar Chase. I I I don't I don't know. I I mean, because I just don't know of uh, any recent white cornerbacks. If this was two early two thousands through the two thousand eight period. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd be you'd be you'd be all right. You'd be able to get a couple dudes. The dude from um was Joe Jiravicious or is he wide receiver? No, wide he's receiver. corner. Wide receiver? Wide receiver. Jason uh, Seahorn is the Jason... last great very he was good, good corner. He was good. Right. And then uh, you had the kid Riley Moss, who was drafted last year out of Iowa, who ran like a four four. You got Boner who runs he runs like a four three. He's on the practice squad for Miami right now. But what um, happened? You were let me set this up, right? Mm-hmm. You won player of the week with a couple interceptions. You were you're a small corner that played for UConn, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was. What like why mm-hmm. truly why is there such a disparity in what we see on the field? Especially cuz like yeah. you know, you see the West Welkers and the Edelmans in the slot, like why does not that not translate to the other side of the ball? Listen, when a, when a quarterback comes up to the line and they see a white corner out there, they like, hey, this brother's getting cooked. I'm coming right at him. <laughs> we had a slant called. Nah, uh, uh, change that. We go into a go. We're taking we're taking it deep. You're just on the line, just Randy Moss. Let me throw my hand up. I don't I don't know. I feel feel for my uh, feel for my white brethren out there in the DB because I'm a I'm a DB I'm a DB all day. I rock for our brotherhood. All day, every day. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. I don't know why you just don't see it. You don't see a lot of white, white, uh, white corners. You do see white safety. If I, see, I will say this: if you see a white safety, that boy can ball. Uh, every dude that's played at Notre Dame. I'm talking. Let's let's take it back to uh, the when they played Reggie. Oh my God, he Joe Samarja. No, he was a wide receiver. I keep throwing wide receivers out. Who's the other dude that's across the ball? He was a receiver, and he pitched as well. If I yeah, if I see if I see a white safety, that dude like that who's the serious. dude on the Vikings? What's his name? I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name right now. Um, yeah, you got Harrison you gotta Smith. Him, uh, Eagles. He's 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 nasty. He's good. I don't I don't know. It's um, when it comes to the corners. You know who you got to look at? Uh, Reed Reed Blankenship. He is good. Like yeah, Blankenship. You know when you you got to look at the coaches and from head coaches down, which means don't look at 
and call racism to the brothers out here because if you look at the stats, majority of brothers, we are not in those positions of head of being a head coach because the, the directives directives come from the top down. So you got to look at your top coaches. Why doesn't Nick Saban want a white a white corner? I don't know. That would, that would be who you need to start with. Those are the co- you got to start at the coaches, the head coaches. Well, I got because- this from I got this idea to talk about this from Pablo Torre. Show. I want to make sure I credit that. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Foxworth said something interesting there, where he was like, "Yeah, I mean, the dude Riley out of Iowa last year was a corner, and they had already on on the big board they'd already moved him to safety, right?" Yeah, I don't know. I don't you know, know what I mean. Like a to, your, yeah. to your point about it's not. I mean, it's not y'all in the cornerback community boxing these dudes out, right? It's the people in the front offices front office and the coaches. coaches. And yeah, they're, I don't know. They're like, man, he doesn't have the hips to rotate with a Tariq Hill out there. But you know what? He's sound fundamentally. He's got the intangibles. We can throw him back there about 20 yards deep. Let him play middle of the field. Let him use that intelligence. He can go left. He can go right. Next thing you know, that's my that's, that's consistency coming down the lane for some tackles, maybe some INTs. But when he go on the outside, it's going to be a liability. You know what hurt everybody? Remember when the they, Put Ryan Goslin out there. <laughs> Ryan Goslin set the tone for white cornerbacks. They they should we all know Hollywood can stretch the truth as much as they want. They could have just had a brother out there struggling. Now you now the whole notion of white corners is a full liability out there. It gets solidified. So if you're you saying it's movies, Disney it's and Ryan Gosling's fault of it why is, we don't have white cornerbacks in 2023. A hundred percent. If they would have just put a brother out there and just be like, hey, brother's having a tough game. We got to put Petey back out there. No one would have batted an eyelash. But then you put Ryan Gosling out there. They're like, mm, see, told you. White folks can't cover. <laughs> like, I, and, then, and then it sticks with us today. I don't know. I think it's, I, I, I want to blame Hollywood. That's the only place you can take it. Everybody's been blaming Hollywood today anyway. So let's blame Hollywood again for the Great reason scene. why you don't see it's white a- cornerbacks. Great scene there as well. Even when he gets take when he when he comes out of the game and the dad's yelling, great Yotes! Yotes! <laughs> what Don't doing? pull my kid. He's just getting beat like a drum out there. That's what... <laughs> I always forget that that's Hayden Penitary. I don't. I think her last name. Oh yeah, yeah, Hayden Penitary. Yeah, 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 she's like the little girl in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, great cast. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a long a long time, and in that time frame, it's been a handful of white corners. Um, yeah, you got to look at the front office, though. You really do. It, it's nothing to do with because if you no, go it's not out, a, yeah, handful is is a stretch. I mean, it's truly Jason Seahorn. Then there's no one for a while. A while, yeah. You got to look at. I mean, if you go to these camps and as. You know, yeah, every, walk I think everybody's through, like when you're at the because like for you, a lot you of white were, yeah, you were, let's say first discovered right at that Nike Spark Camp, right? So take us through what are you, what are you doing? And to your point, like how what's the what's the demographics at a lot of, a lot of these camps? I, I would say it was probably about twenty percent when you get to like when it's when it's good when you're when you're getting up in the town like with mm-hmm. good talent. I would say about. You know, you have 20% sprinkled in with some white folks out there on the outside, but that's corner. I would say it goes out to, it was probably like, yeah, maybe, maybe 30, I'll give it up to 30%, including safeties. Um, and, but then when you go to like 
big camps. Yeah, it's probably 50-50. Everybody's out. Like, it's just – Right, everybody's just really trying to get seen. Right. right. So, it really does come down to what coaches deem as a solid prospect for that position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, take, like, Apopka, Apoka from he, – he ran that, like – you remember when Dion at the combine was like, oh, he can run, run? He was a safety, but he could also, I think, play corner – and like line up in the nickel. He was out of Penn State. Um, yeah, it, it's just really interesting to the mindset of how they want to set these rosters once you get into the um, higher talent, higher caliber players, obviously mm-hmm. level uh, of college and then um, professional as well. So yeah, don't don't look at people on Twitter, IG, have conversations with them, have conversations with the head coach. Agreed. Agreed. Interesting conversation. I'd love to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm with you, man. I feel fear from my white corner brethren. We got to get, we got to get y'all, we got to get more of y'all. Hey. Out. Yeah. It's, it's the same way that the, we can extend an olive branch both ways, people. How we are trying to get into the head coaching game and get more opportunities there. Not like everybody can't do it. We're just not being put in those positions to be allowed to flourish as exactly. a head coach. It's the same way for white corners. We struggling in two different lanes, but got the same issue. So we can all come and extend and a helping hand during this holiday season. It's a great comparison there. Great comparison there. That there's no segue to getting into this, but I think the hope is this is a great conversation here because NIL feels like it has taken on many different routes here, right? Mm-hmm. So many people call it the wild, wild west, right? The the I am a huge proponent of just nil in in general right and we'll get into the good and the bad i think of that but it does feel like not only has it changed the landscape of college sports but it's really changed the way that coaches and teams operate Mm. Uh, taylor what do you obviously for you from a football perspective baseball is so different right but from a football perspective what are some of the challenges right now that you see especially that uconn is having to face with this new kind of era or space that we're in because of NIL? Honestly, I'm going to include baseball in it as well. Any team that is top 30 is going to run into a similar issue, especially because I'm very, I'm very interested. I don't want to say excited because that's going to be a bad word. I'm Mm -hmm. interested to see how Mississippi state and how Texas A&M and LSU run the game when it comes to baseball, because that's going to set the standard. I think top down, um, because you can make a lot of a lot of money in baseball, especially yeah. whoever gets that partnership with. Um, oh my god, what's the uh, perfect game? Whoever gets that like that type of partnership, I think. Whether if it's like I don't know if you're being able to use your you use your likeness out whenever there's perfect games everywhere. Like so and so came to this, but you're I don't know if you can. That's do a lot well. of money behind perfect. It's, do you know how much money's behind perfect game? And then yeah, being like, say, the focal fine, person. Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. I, I think that's difficult there because Perfect Game is truly catered to the high school and like, you know, the AAU kind of ranks there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if. Yeah, I, I think I get what you're saying. Sterling, right? It. You can be next. Sure. Cut, I, cut, I, out, cut, well, out to, cut out to Sterling everywhere. That's that is a lot of money because Perfect Game happens in every state, essentially. Sure. But I think I think the question really is like, 
how do you as a coach now, right? Yeah. How do you look at your one to three to five year outlook? And I think that has now been completely eroded. Right. I think you're truly as a coach looking at it from a year to year basis because you once you recruit a kid, they get in. Yeah, sure. They've got NIL valuations, all that. Cool. Cool. I mean, yeah. I got no I got no issue with that. Right. I don't think anyone does. I, obviously, I want not obviously I want kids to be paid and I want kids yeah. to be paid what their worth is. That's always been my proponent. Right now, my thing yeah. for a while, for the longest time has been, you know, my my anytime I would get an argument, especially like, you know, as I got into the corporate world. I would get into, get into these arguments. I'd be like, all right, but a band member who's on a full ride could then go put out a CD or they could do a tour. They could do whatever. They could make money again, just using their image and their likeness. Right. right. A, at the time, right. An athlete could not do that. Right. Everyone was like, well, they get they're on a full ride and that's something. All right, cool. I mean, I, okay. I'm not saying there, there's not a value to a scholarship. Right. Right. But all all we've ever been at all we've ever been asking is like, hey, we just want to be able to to make money off of who we are and what our brand is and what what we are as a person. Yeah. Okay, now what's happened is there's a value to you as a player, whether you're in high school or you're a transfer or whatever the case may be. And again, that's fine, but I think that's now making it so hard for these coaches and really programs to be like, all right, well, like, are we going to have this kid for a year? Are we going to have him for four years? Right. Right. And, and do you put I, the same like resources into that kid? I think that's the hard, I yeah. think that's such a hard thing. Yeah. I, I think and it's going to suck to say like you have, it's pretty, it's pretty short, honestly. Uh, I hope it's not the NCAA that does it, but since they're the governing body, you have to put some type of regulations on top of what the NIL is right now, because on one hand, and I know we talked about it a little bit before in another in another pod, but you're not allowing coaches to coach, and I don't I don't mean by that of let me bring this young man up and in you know turn a young man a young man right. to a man or or provide yeah. them the technique to be able to be a better player. You're not allowing the school to get a foundational base to even to even establish like an identity for what the team can be because it is a carousel every off season uh if you aren't the major players of the world and we all know who those teams are because they're financially backed really strong and on top of that like they're in the environment and in a sturdy conference so there's no there's no issues so you're gonna have the middle of the way schools um playing catch up forever because there's no way that you can keep a set anybody that could be deemed a second first rounder obviously, uh, but a second round to fifth round pick mm -hmm. can just jump ship quickly and yeah. take advantage, obviously, because it's, there's monetary, there's a monetary value to it. Um, and then also might find yourself laying into a better situation um, team-wise and atmosphere, school, who, who knows? So you're at a disadvantage, not having any type of regulations in. So I, I think it, it's pretty simple that you have to have some type of governance around nil not capping because like like jobs yeah there's uncapped commissions have that as well allow these kids to get paid but it has to be structured in how you can collect that dollar amount uh because even as a worker um if you're fired or you want to leave you're 
dollars are cut off. I don't, I haven't seen a contract firsthand, so I can't tell you that. I'm still, still working on that one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know like what it means to honor the relationship for what you're going to do. But also in the same sense, like if I was making 50 K at one school and I break it off and I'm not going to be paid, but I can make 75 K at this next school because I'm needed. Even if it's a backup role, it's just a better opportunity than, than I'm going to go. So, but I, I think, the easiest thing that I've thought about, and I've talked about this with groups of, uh, of, of friends, if you have it as a two year minimum, wherever you are, two years for you to touch your NIL money. Um, I think that will allow coaches to at least develop a base uh, so that then you can have some type of success off of that. And then now that that player on that after two years uh, can be like, you know what? Like, we can we can stick we can stick around with this. This is this is fine. And the tough part is I would say two years to the sign of a contract because you might have a player that stuck was, you know, here as a freshman, now starts contributing because they got brought up and built up into the program. And as they've now hit that mature that mature peak, they're looking elsewhere, but maybe they just signed that contract. Well, like if you want to see those, see that those dollars at all, um, you need, you have to be here with us for two years to bring that um, and let it mature. So I don't know. It's, it's a bad I thought about that as well. I think, yeah, I mean, if we're going to sign contracts, right. And we're going to be giving you money for, to your point for performance or just for like you, just for us to entice you to be here, then we want you in the building. Right. And I said it earlier, I mean, they truly, these schools pour resources into these kids, whether that's academically or on the sports side, right? Or just like to your point as a person. So I, I think, I don't know how you govern. I don't trust the NCAA to govern that. I think, mm-hmm. um, but I would love to see something of that, right? Some sort of commitment, right? And maybe it's a school by school kind of thing to your point where it's like, all right, if we're going to give you half a million dollars, then we're expecting you to be here for at least two years. And yeah, Yeah. if it doesn't work out. And I think that's the tough thing for us as former athletes. Like I get it. Like if a situation does not sit like suit you anymore, absolutely. You should leave. And before that was always the, the the bullshit thing about it is you couldn't leave. Right. Right. Or not. You couldn't leave, but you had to sit out. out Right. Right. The transfer, it looked transfer was such a bad word back in like, you know, really yeah. pre 2014 2013 your, whatever your damaged old. goods in in some way right. shape or form right now and yeah so like if, if a situation does not suit you or you're looking at it like all right i'm maybe not as talented as, as i thought i was i need to go to a place where i can play prove myself get reps and get better that also happens right but i right. do think there is a, a part of this where guys are getting into the building and being like all right well i mean i just i just want my talent to showcase and or I don't want to say afraid of the work. Yeah. But it's like there's nothing wrong with sitting for a year competing and then and then fighting your way. I think that's the thing. I I feel like there's there's less of a fight for your opportunity at some of these places cuz it's like, "All right, well, yeah. if I don't if I don't see a path at Georgia, quote unquote see a path, then it's like, "All right, well, I'll go to Michigan State." Right. And the right. and the the bad part right now is if you look at football specifically, you can have a, a major school. Um, let's take, we'll, you know, stay at, we'll stay out in the West coast. Let's take UCLA. UCLA looks at a Akron and is like, your starting linebacker can be a great backup for us. 
yeah. to the coach. You know, like, hey, like, just let me know. Like, tell me about this player. But here, say if the kid ends up transferring to UCLA, Akron is stuck with a hole that they have to fill. Whereas if this is and the they NFL, probably can't fill right they, exactly, they have to now scramble and JUCO or like change or shift right. their their um, their their prospecting methods. And if this is the NFL, all right, well, all right, you want my player? Well, let me get so and so off the bench. And now we're at a whole complete different level because if if there's no regulations to what we're doing you have a free agency with no trade prospect and now these teams can't catch up, but who are you? Like, there's, there's no way to dictate be like, Hey, uh, I know you've been out here on the sunny West coast, but we're sending you to Akron, Ohio. Sorry. <laughs> pack, yeah. Pack your bags. Like, but there's money involved. Here you go. You can take it. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I struggle I don't know though they... with, with trying to regulate a free market. Yeah. You know, I, I just struggle with that. Like personally. And I, 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 I don't struggle with how they can make the money. I struggle with, how how they're positioned at their given institution uh to allow that te- t- to honor i guess to that team but sure. where is the honor when it comes to a coach but because a, a coach can jump which a player can jump now as well yeah. but you know it, it, it's it's very tough and i i completely understand but i just think for how much of a hole and how much of how much of a void you put into a program if you develop into a great player and then now you move on um because we've seen this i mean i'm speaking for personal experience of uconn uh but i don't want to harp on harp on the huskies uh it's just you're you're in a very you're in a very bad spot right now with college football or nil in general yeah i mean look at indiana i know obviously we got a new coach but i mean they're in a tough place right you're competing especially now with ucla and usc being in the big 10 like you have these big money schools now you're always competing with, and just in your backyard, right? You've got Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan who are poaching kids right. from from not just Indiana, from like the surrounding areas, and yeah, it's it's difficult. So I don't know. I'm with you. I, I wish there was a way for us to find a balance yeah. so that roster and like you, yeah, you can you know create what? a roster in an environment, but also yeah. kids have the the ability to move freely and make as much money as they would like to. You know, I think I just solved it. I, I just thought about it off the top of my head because there's no way to – It's going to be terrible. No, it's going to be fantastic. There's no way that you can cap, like you're saying, um, an economic opportunity, financial opportunity by a player. But we can hold the schools accountable because the only reason why this player is trying to leave – is because they've been contacted externally. So let's put it this way. If a player wants to leave. Oh god, this is about to be good. If a player if a player gets contacted by a school, in the first contact, we can get into the minutiae or the, the granular sure. details later. But yeah. a, a player wants to leave, Texas calls uh Middle Tennessee State mm-hmm. and Middle Tennessee State has a three-year starting quarterback and like hey uh, we would love to, We would, you know, tell me about it, Like, you know, is there any way that we can pull him or this behind the scenes? He ends up wanting to go to Texas. Yeah. Texas then has to pay 2X the NIL of the player departing that school. Because if you really want him to just, just to the school, so then the, so, to so, or to the football team. So the team can then use NIL in their own respective right to bring in somebody to fill. I think that makes it honest. And if you really think that you, you truly feel that that Hold player on, you're is saying if add, they are poached, not if the kid enters into the 
to the app, right, or whatever. They if if the kid enters into the into the portal, you're right. saying all good. But you're well, saying yeah. if, if if they're getting hit up by coaches on DMs and all that, and they are right. poached, you're saying there has to be a fee, kind of like in soccer or something like that. Right, because and it's twofold because people are like, hey, if you're listening to this right, like, like, well, if they enter in the portal, this circumvents everything you just said. But the only way that you know that you have some type of value is if you've been contacted. Because if you take a stab in the dark and, well, a, the, and a portal, few players... the portal shows you and there's a lot, there's a few companies right now that are putting value to, you know, players that are out there. Cor- correct. Correct. You can you can dab your feet in unofficially. Mm-hmm. But I think what they take, for instance, players that are looking for a better opportunity. Mm-hmm. Those players are taking a true stab in the dark. I think. But how would you track somebody having contact with with so and so? That part I don't know, yeah. but I would. Because so, also, think, kids have agents now, or can have agents. Can a little bit, but I do know for how it operates that coaches do reach out, and if a coach oh, reaches, yeah, of out, course, I'm not saying they don't. Yeah, and if a coach reaches out to another team, then that team has to pay an exit fee for that player, just like soccer, essentially, because then that allows that school to go out. To find I think somebody. It, the, it be it's just the burden of proof is going to be very difficult there. I think a little bit, but it, it would it would make it more back channel. Right now, it is hundred percent direct. I'm calling this coach if I think if there's say, say even for a starter to a lower to a lower team. I'm calling yeah. this coach like hey, like what's just can you let me know like about this player like we have some interest blah 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 blah. That's the only reason why you know that there's a dollar sign. Look at uh, Matt Rule. You can look at the comments from uh, Matt Rule in Nebraska talking about like. It is one million dollars for a good player. You know that because you have these conversations are one out in the open, and two, you see what happens after the fact. But it is straight up of uh, we are looking at this player, and you know, opportunity to pass, blah 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 blah. Whether it's backup, whether it's starter, but if you're going to have those conversations, and it's starting from you recruiting because you know Dion's been in the portal, uh, yeah. and you those coaches have to talk to other coaches to be able to then identify like how how can we bring somebody else over here. You kind of just had a player go to Colorado, anyways. How the hell do you get to Colorado? I mean, you he didn't throw his name in initially. When he did throw his name in, committed a couple days later. Those conversations were already happening. So sure. I would believe that they started through the through the coaching ranks, being like good faith type of type of type of initiation. And if that's the case, then let's re- let's reward these lower schools. I don't know. How, that's the part. Like I understand how to track it. Let's reward these lower schools though, financially. So that they can allow these larger players to leave, those players can collect their money, three hundred thousand dollars to them if that's what their their nil is worth, and then an additional six hundred k on top of it. It makes it very expensive to then go out and poach players, which would yeah. then curb curb this right now. Uh, but if you think a player is worth that money to bring in, because they're already throwing millions of dollars at a, at a few of these players, you had one point something that went to uh, Sam Hartman to transfer from Duke as a graduate. That is all free game as well because he's a graduate. But, you know, or sorry, from Wake Forest. He's like, yeah. eh, I'm feeling some type of way. You had the dude from Duke just transfer now up to Notre Dame as well. He's definitely getting a seven-figure check. I would think that would be some way that you can compensate uh, that player. That school You're compensating that the school knowing, especially some of these lower schools, knowing that they cannot compete, right, to be able to kind right. of fill the void. And that dollar value can be $50,000. You never know. Like it's, it's not going to be millions of dollars. So I don't want to put the scale. You were saying two X of what they were getting. So like, if that's tough, right. I know school is going to sign up for that. If you're to your point, if you're 
paying a, a million dollars to go get a Sam Hartman, you're not going to pay two million dollars to Duke or to Wake, hey. Wake Forest at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, those mean? are those are your special players. But I mean, I think of, I've seen a lot of, and I mean special because I haven't seen a lot of million dollar folks outside of the QB position that I've right. that I've popped into the the tracker, quote unquote, because those aren't official numbers, if it, you know, officially. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's that's one way you have to be able to slow down what's happening, but then also allow kids if they feel like, hey, my stock is up, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna let this ride, and I, I can't do this here. Let them do that, but also allow these schools. You can ha- all right, make it one for one, uh, three hundred to three hundred. All right, we have to give it three hundred back to to UConn, three hundred back to Georgia Southern. I don't know, like make it fair in some way, shape, or form, but allow, like you're saying, that free market to still um, to exist, right? Yeah. yeah, and you don't want to stifle what what is out there for for a lot of these yeah. kids. Yeah, good combo. Hey, I know now we now we're jumping in. To uh, it's pretty, pretty much been a recap. We're gonna do a little 2023 recap for sp- yeah. sports tech. Um, we got 10 minutes to hit it. I know that the sports part just kind of went for a while. If you had fig- long sports part, long sports part, but you know, it's just conversations flowing out for the new year. Yeah, I think uh, it is. It is. It's it's end of the year, right? I hope everybody is able to get a little eggnog, hang out, watch watch Home Alone, watch Die Hard. Die Hard to me is a Christmas movie. I don't care what other people say. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, take back to joy. I think for this, it's been an interesting year. If I'm sitting back and looking at 2023 from a sports tech perspective, had a little burp there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously the deal, the amount of deals um, in terms of like true kind of investments to startups um, obviously declined here. That's that's a that's a total kind of market statement, right? Just not in the sports tech sector. I think the nice thing, though, um, you did see a total. This is back in Q3 when this was announced, right? About 10.1 billion across 317 deals uh, for sports tech. Now that that included M and A and things like thing things of that nature. But um, overall, I think you saw some strong signs. I think a lot of people kind of played it safe in terms of like what they wanted to invest in. Had so many companies reach out and like, how do we, you know, what do we need to do? How do we find kind of the right, um, you know, the, the right kind of venture or angel to kind of work with, which that was, I think difficult that I think will change as we get into 2024. Um, I, I think you'll see more deals happen, especially February, March kind of hits. I think as things start to open up a little bit more, hopefully, right, from economical perspectives there. So, um, yeah, uh, it, definitely an interesting year. Obviously, AI dominated, right? I feel like every time I say AI, I feel like the the common Microsoft commercial. But, yeah, it was an interesting year. I, I hope what what I've started to see is things will kind of get back to – you know, just true kind of what sports tech has kind of been over the past five, six years. A lot of the wearables companies dealing with fan engagement. I think um, for me, I'm kind of getting into a 2024 outlook already, but I think for me, women's sports is going to dominate. I think you're going to see a ton of investment into women's sports, especially in terms of like organizations and teams within Europe. And you're going to see a bigger focus in the American side in terms of, uh, fan engagement, viewership, 
ticket sales, those type of things? How do we influence those aspects? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the numbers for like women's volleyball, women's soccer, the WNBA have all risen across in terms of, you know, uh, in-person attendance as well as viewership uh, across networks and across streaming. I think that's my biggest like takeaway going into 2024 is that right? I, I think that's the biggest one is, is how do you continue to look at women's sports and like, where are the investments and where should you be placing your money or placing your bets there? And then I think the second one is obviously we're two like very washed up athletes, but I think the creator network is getting bigger and bigger, right? You're seeing more of these athletes getting into this, space. not only this space in terms of podcasting, but just like, you know, we just talked about the whole NIL deal, right? truly making money i think i saw a figure of like 9.1 no that might be wrong let me, let me no whatever I, i'm just gonna throw out a number it might be wrong here but i, I think i saw 9.1 billion is what it's expected in the content creator market for 2024 right which is just a crazy number to kind of think about right so i i think that is my other takeaway is like the athlete how do you continue to utilize um athletes as true content creators and what does that kind of look like uh moving forward taylor what are your what are your takeaways no i i think you're i think you're hitting the nail on the head a little bit for uh where future investments will go when it comes into women's sports and um you know the the stats show especially you know you look you turn on this past however what two-ish months even throughout the whole year as well espn highlighting women's volleyball um and then obviously you see which was awesome like nebraska did their outdoor game as well this is this mm-hmm. is nationally let me put it that way as well but um and then internationally you're seeing the increase as well um women's rugby world, worldwide as well as women's football i'll say it official for for since we're talking across the pond but women's soccer and yeah. the investments that are going there so i i do think women's women's sports is going to have an influx of of capital infused into the sport um, and from, from the sports pe- sports tech's perspective, because mm-hmm. I think everybody right now is trying to find the opportunities and be you know, just for an example. Um, how can I be a Ryan Reynolds? How can I, mm-hmm. how can, how can I fit into a lane, find it and you know, th- throw my, throw my money down and uh, get the return that he got. Um, but spread that across. Um, not just for a specific sport, but spread that across from um, equipment, uh, AR, VR, all, all things. But how can I find that lane to invest in? So yeah. I also think just to add on to that, your ESPN ate the Ocho type of um, type of sports. Alternative sports. Your alt, your alt sports. So rally car racing. Um you're, so ping, you're ping pong, ping pong viewers. Ping pong is major. I mean, we just we just had the interview uh, in our last pod um, uh, about it, and then you have archery. Who who knows? But like those those type of sports, I think because those are going to be your lower entry points when yeah. it comes. Drone to Drone racing is also big. Like there's so many all yeah. sports out there. To your point, that I think you're going to see more investment. That's a that's a great great call. I mean, you can come in as an angel investor on the low end, and how can how can I be able to now? throw my name in and try and get up to the, to the leagues or, or try and get up to the level of being a very, very small share minority owner for a major, a major club uh, or a major organization. And this is that pathway. So I think you're going to see a lot of investment into tech for 
the the alt sports as well yeah. as women's sports. And um, I think you'll see that blow up coming from coming in through 2024. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'll hit a couple here. Like I said, we uh, did a lot of sports today, so do a couple updates here in December on the sports tech side. Uh, Wilson Goff drives into the future with an AI-powered club fitting that analyzes every swing in real time for a personalized, game-changing experience. Check this out. This is super cool. You all know that we both love golf. Love what Wilson is doing here. Yo, hey, well, if y'all need a little, you need a little guinea pig, you know, one of us has a better swing than the other one, but uh, you know, happy to happy to help out. That would be that'd be me. Uh, there, that would not be. Uh, that one over there. Uh, New York-based gaming content creation studio and platform All-Star laid a $12 million in a Series A funding round. Uh, next, we have Los Angeles-based Ripples, a startup behind a multi-patented uh, geolocation platform, raised $3 million in seed funding from our friends over at KB Partners. Um and the last one is we've talked about it a couple times on here. So I wanted to highlight it again here with a little acquisition from Toka football. Um, they acquired quad indoor sport. Uh, Toka is the world's leading tech enabled soccer experience company and the largest operator of indoor soccer training centers in North America. Um, so right now, I believe they, they operate about 15 total centers in the Midwest. Uh, so that's a, a really big acquisition for them to really expand uh, their footprint here uh, and then uh, hopefully abroad as well. Um, and that kind of rounds us out for the December Sports Tech updates. If you're not following the Sports Tech Atlanta newsletter, um, we throw some of these in as well and just have like a nice big story for you. So definitely go to sportstechatlanta.com and uh, subscribe there. Like we said earlier, if you are not following us when we just launched it, uh, I know it took us a while, but we are on TikTok. So definitely go search us out there. I think the tag right now is my name, which is Steamac22, but uh, we'll change that over to Seed Talk as quick as we can. As always, continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube all the things right at seed talk uh continue to rate and subscribe here and one little thing as well we are now an affiliate an ambassador of uh fanatics so if you're looking for last minute gifts or you need need some sports gear for for your for your people uh we've got you covered as well check out sports tech atlanta um for uh discounts there as well for any sports related gear fanatics has so many things especially trading cards too if you're into that so check us out there as well and uh we want to taylor and i would wish you everybody happy holidays a happy new year thanks so much for rocking with us this year and we'll see you in 2024 merry christmas happy holidays